Good morning. Oh, my. People are sleepy this morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We are going to start our service. I'm excited that you are here. Did you have a good week? Hi, Timmy. Yes? Good. Everybody else had a good week, I take it? Good. Amen. There we go. <laughs> Well, we are excited to have everyone here this morning. I wanted to share with you real quick as we get, get in our seats and we're starting to head in here from the cafe. You know, sometimes when I pick out scripture, it's hard for me to settle on just one. Anybody else have that problem? You have favorites, right? So this morning, I'm going to share two with you. This is from Psalms 28. It says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me in my heart leaps for joy and with my song I will praise him so our leaping hearts are going to praise him this morning right and then that the next one is because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands doesn't that sound like a wonderful time to begin worship would you agree with me let's stand and we are going to sing to him this morning. I'm glad to see you all here this morning. So let's begin our worship with Jesus. Every praise 
so much for this morning. Father, we take for granted every day when the sun comes up, but you are in charge of all things. And Lord, we are so thankful that you woke us up this morning to come into this place, to gather with other believers, and to praise your name. We are thankful that you are here. We are thankful that you are taking care of us. And everything that we have that we're worried about, we can just lay on the altar, Jesus, and you'll take care of it. We can trust you with that. We're thankful that we can come here with joy on our hearts. Even though it may be hard sometimes, Father, we're grateful that you are the one that listens to us and that all things have to bow down to you, Jesus. So, Lord, we ask you to be in this service this morning. We ask you to come in and take over this service, Jesus. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will fulfill free to move here, and Lord, that our hearts will be softened so that we can take what it is that you say to us through your word, through your song, through just our acts of worship this morning, and you can move us more closer to you, and you can change us more to be like you, Father. I pray that you'll take these hearts, every single heart that's sitting in this room right now, and Lord, hold it tight. Lord, start tilling the soil in there so you can plant more seeds in us to grow. We love you. And we give you this morning and we just set ourselves aside for you. We love you, Jesus. In your name, God's people said, amen. Would you turn and welcome the people next to you this morning? Greet them. Let them know that you're glad that they're here. Good morning. You may be seated. Boy, it's so good to sing and to worship to our Lord. And you know that connecting together as our church family is also a form of worship, isn't it? So it is so good to be here to worship our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ today, and to be here worshiping with you. I hope that you got a handout when you came in this morning. And inside of your handout is a connection card. This connection card we use to stay connected. And what I would like you to do is just pull that out of your program there. And on the back, there is a place that you can write a prayer request down. If there's anything that you are dealing with or a family member is dealing with, we want to be praying for you. So go ahead and jot that down. You can keep that private by just checking the, keep this for the, for the pastors only there. And then on the other side, if you are visiting with us today, we're so happy that you're here. 
uh, just go ahead and fill that out with any information and we'd love I'd love to be in touch with you this week to just uh, say thank you so much for coming and answer any questions that you might have um, and if any of your information has changed if you're a regular attender any of that has changed please mark that on that connection card as well thank you so very much for doing that also, we have an incredible children's ministry going on right through those doors and down the hallway. If you have children that would like to attend that children's ministries, we invite you to go ahead and give that a try. I know that they will, will really have a great time and will learn about the love of the Lord. Today, I saw a lot of you carrying around your alabaster boxes. I'm so glad about that we're going to take up our alabaster offering in just a few minutes um, when our ushers come and wait on us for our normal tithes and offerings. After the offering plate goes by, you're going to participate in the alabaster march, which is coming up front with your box and putting your box there in the basket. And thank you so much for collecting that change that goes for buildings um, in other countries, buildings that helps homeless kids churches, hospitals, the money that you put in these alabaster boxes builds those buildings. So thank you so much. You're making a difference. And if you forgot it this week, that's okay. We can take it next week too. So thank you so much for doing that and participating in alabaster offering. Small groups. You guys have been hearing about small groups for like a whole month now. And we are so excited, excited because they're starting this week and next week. But you can still sign up back there is a table with all the sign-ups. There will be some people uh, there at the table can answer questions for you. I encourage each and every one of you to sign up for a small group. It's a great way to get to know people in a deeper level, pray for one another, dig into God's Word together. So please take a look at those small groups and uh, see what might work for you. If you have any questions, um, ask one of the small group leaders or myself or Sharon and we can answer those questions. And something exciting is we have a church phone number on the way. Um, I know it said in the Wednesday email that it's, that it's working, but it's not quite working yet. So, uh, but it's close. We believe we're going to have a church phone number very, very soon. So be prepared for that. I want to read to you before our ushers come and for our morning tithes and offerings. I want to read to you from 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, our ushers are going to come forward and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. And after the, uh, the offering plate goes by, go ahead and just pick up that uh, alabaster box and march right up front and put that in the baskets. And thank you so much for your giving.
wonderful. We have a new song we're going to teach you this morning. It's called Holy Roar. It talks about God's people praising Him. And it's just this holy roar that raises up to the heavens. And he hears our voices cry out to Him. I love that. So we are going to, uh, I'm going to teach it to you. Cindy, you ready with me? Let's see here. I got to remember it too. <laughs> sing it with me, Daniel and Pat. It's just the chorus and just the melody part. We'll sing it to them. Ready? Oh, holy Lord, reaching for the heavens, our praise poured out with reckless abandon. of it. We're going to teach it to you. I think you guys are going to really just love how, imagine God's people all around the earth right now singing praises to Him. And it's all rising up. And we get to be a part of that. Reckless abandon our worship, God. 
life desiring the presence of the Lord. He's here right now. Let's just bask in his presence for just a moment. I worship you, my Lord, my God. Thank you for being available to us, Lord, for showering us with your goodness. Fill us to overflowing. Rain down on us. nothing, Lord, in this earth that satisfies like your presence, your being, your love flooding, floating, flooding our lives, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I bless you, my God. ask you to meet every need that's here this morning as we gather together. There are hearts that are broken. There are people wrestling with doubts. I know that we're all broken in some way, Lord. I ask you to mend us, to give us hope. <laughs> oh, how I love you, Lord. Touch our lives. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, tell you about a couple of things that we have going on this week here. I hate interrupting the Lord. district superintendent is going to meet with our board on Tuesday. Uh, I believe in our Colorado conference of uh, Nazarene churches, there are like five or six churches that are without pastors right now. Dr. Asprin is going to bring, I believe, three uh, of the top applicants that are available. Our board is going to start working on those going through, they'll interview them, they'll call them, contact them, watch messages from them. Um, well, we're getting down to the serious stuff. 
and part of it that I don't like is that I love you, both of you, you two men. You, you guys have been such a blessing to us, and I believe we're a whole lot more prepared for having a new pastor than we've ever been uh, since Pastor Brian left uh, way back. So uh, it's an important time, and they have a lot of hard work to do. So would you be praying for our board specifically as they have these choices that they're going to have to go through um, and the, the Nazarene way is that the district superintendents goes through the applicants and then he chooses the what he thinks best fits our church who we are uh, we've had chance to sound off about what we desire in, in, a, in a new pastor but then the board goes through all that stuff with them in the process and they'll select what they believe is the top person the, one, the candidate who best fits our needs uh, and then we'll vote up or down Lord I pray that when we get a candidate that will be in unison in saying, Lord, this is who we're going to go with. And if you don't get your way, and I rarely do, I'm a married man. If you don't get your way, then I want to ask you to join the team and let's help make whoever it is that comes a success here. Amen? Amen. I saw something on Facebook about most of us spend our time looking for a perfect church when God's assignment for us is for, help, is for us to help uh, a church become the perfect one. So we have something to do in that. So I'm going to pray. Thank you, Father, for your love. I thank you for this congregation, Lord. I thank you for how far we've come. And I know that there's still more in our journey together. Uh, we want to pray for Dr. Askren as he goes through those applicants. We want to pray for our board. We pray for us, Lord, that we all become team members. that every one of us can learn to become encouragers, that we can look for the positives and we can build someone up. I ask your blessings on uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor Kelly, uh, and whatever's next for them as well. I'm going to hate that goodbye, Lord just so you know. Um, we invite you here. I ask you to use Pastor Ben as he uh, shares his word with you, us today. And he knows that the Chiefs play at 11. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
I've got to be more careful as to who I give the mic to up here in services. It's the moral of that story. Now, appreciate you, Larry. <laughs> that is a bummer about being in the Rocky Mountain time zone back east. We don't have any football games that start any earlier than one. I don't know what you do around here. 11 o'clock, wow. But we're trusting the Lord to be in the process. You've got a great district superintendent who loves God and loves his church. You've got a great board. I have really enjoyed working with your newly elected board since May. And you guys are good folks. And uh, God is going to be in the midst of all that. And we know he has someone special for you. It's an awesome thing to be able to pray. thought about that as Larry led us this morning. Think about that. We can speak to God. Of course, prayer isn't all talking to God, it's listening. Isn't it awesome that we're going to hear from God? And I pray we uh, do today as we open His Word. Got a question. What comes to mind when you think of the word holy? I'll take five shout-out answers. Jesus, that's a tie, jinx. We used to play that when we were kids. Set apart for God. That's good. What comes to mind? First thing, holy. Pleasing God. Without sin. Hope. I like that. Faith. We're over five, but we'll keep going. Blameless. Grace. Mercy. All kinds of things coming to mind. I thought about doing a stand-up survey. I was famous for those back in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, but I decided against it. I was going to have everyone stand up who considers themselves holy. But that puts you in a real quandary, doesn't it? But we are all called to that. If you're born again, you came to saving faith in Christ, you're following Him, you are a saint this morning, though few of us would feel worthy of that title. Well, anyway, in the next several months, I'm planning to share four messages on the theme of holiness, including the one today, Holy is the Lord. The Church of the Nazarene is a holiness denomination, and by that we mean a denomination, a church that emphasizes the sanctifying work of God in the hearts and lives of believers in our preaching and teaching. What does sanctify mean, in case that's a new word to you? Simply, the work of making us holy. The Greek word would be hagiadzo. I have to impress you every once in a while with a Greek word. To separate from profane things and dedicate to God. Consecrate things to God. Consecrate people to God to purify, to clean up on the outside, to clean up on the inside, to free from the guilt of sin. And some of those uh, things were showing in your words uh, this morning. When the Church of the Nazarene came into being in 1908, that's 114 years ago, it was because groups of Christians across the country believed we needed to recover the scriptural message of holiness. The other primary reason for uh, a new denomination was the desire to preach the gospel to and be a help to the poor. 
while we're having a little history lesson, here's how we got the name Church of the Nazarene. The name came to a J.P. Whitney after a night of prayer when he and others were considering the matter of a name for this new denomination. Whitney was a medical doctor in L.A., and he believed that Jesus of Nazareth, remember in the gospel, nothing good can come from Nazareth? He believed that Jesus of Nazareth linked Jesus to the great, in his words, toiling, struggling, sorrowing heart of the world. Thus, the church of the Nazarene, Jesus. But it was the message of holiness that called to a holy life the belief that by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life of victory over sin. It doesn't have to have power over us. It was that message that most compelled holiness groups from California and Texas and Tennessee and New York and other places to come together to form a new denomination. There's a little history lesson. The theme of the call to holiness runs throughout the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Holiness is not an add-on in the Christian life. It's not an option. It's not just something for the uh, spiritual elite. We're all called to holiness. As the classic hymn uh, sung at most Nazarene ordination services has it, called unto holiness, church of our God, purchase of Jesus, redeemed by his blood, called from the world and its idols to flee, called from the bondage of sin to be free. Holiness unto the Lord is our watchword and song. Holiness unto the Lord as we're marching along. Sing it, shout it loud and long. I like that part. Holiness unto the Lord now and forever. Amen. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 6. For me, it's one of those passages that I am always coming back to. Isaiah chapter 6. I'll begin at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. 
send me. It's the word of the Lord. Isaiah was a prophet of the 8th century before Christ. Most believe that the vision he saw recorded in the 6th chapter of the book that bears his name came at the beginning of his prophetic ministry and was his commissioning. It was for Isaiah a life-changing, unforgettable vision. Isaiah consequently refers to God as the Holy One of Israel 27 times in this great book. In the year that King Uzziah died, you might know that the prophets were raised up at difficult times in Israel's history when they wandered from God, when they neglected His commands. This was an especially difficult time. Uzziah had begun well, had done what was right in the sight of the Lord, had been one of the few good kings in what was now the southern kingdom of Judah in a divided nation. But 2 Chronicles 26, 16 says, After Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He entered into the sanctuary and did something he should not have done. He, he contracted leprosy. It was the end of his reign. Jotham, his son, was given his kingdom. After Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. I could get off on a little sanctified rabbit trail there and uh, address that issue. Boy, we got to watch that pride. Amen? Humble yourselves on the side of the Lord, and he will lift you up in due time. Not only in the presence of God, but in the company of those that are sharing this journey of faith with us. Humble yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud, but he'll give grace to the humble. What does it mean to be humble? Well, for one thing, owning up to the ways we fall short and allowing God to forgive and help and, and take us on. It was after Uzziah's death, and we assume during the time of worship and prayer and sacrifice in the temple, that Isaiah saw the Lord. He wasn't the first. He would not be the last that would be given a glimpse like this. I thought of Moses, Exodus 33. Moses said to God, now show me your glory. I don't know if he knew what he was asking for. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Think of that. I thought of John in the Revelation, chapter 4. After this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and but once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. It must be a beautiful, exhilarating, terrifying thing to see God as Isaiah and Moses and John did. 
Isaiah writes, the Lord was seated on a throne. Still is, amen? Ruling, reigning, sovereign, the heavens and the earth, his dominion. A good thing to remember today in this fallen, being redeemed world where hurricanes are bearing down on Caribbean islands and sabers are rattling again in Russia and all that's going on in our world. God is the ruler yet. Amen. Isaiah says the Lord was high and exalted. Still is. Amen. High and lifted up. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man. Thank you, Michael W. Smith. Rulers good and bad, the Queen Elizabeths and the Vladimir Putins will come and go. Nations and empires will rise and fall. Great historic events will have their impact on our world, but our God reigns ultimately in control, guiding history to a victorious and happy ending. Praise be to his name. Isaiah says the train of the Lord's robe filled the temple. The size, the length of his train, adding to the majesty, the splendor of his presence. Think of the fanciest royal wedding dress you've ever seen. And perhaps multiple people attending that train. The Lord's train is beyond attending. Isaiah says that above the Lord were seraphs. Mentioned by that name only here in all the Bible. Perhaps one and the same with the living creatures that encircled the throne of God in Revelation 4. Literally, the burning ones. They each had six wings, two covering their faces. Who can look to God and live? Two covering what was essentially the rest of their bodies, and with two they flew, and they were calling one to another. And I remember years ago stopping right there, a bit of a side note, calling to one another. There can be little doubt that it was worship, their words acknowledging and giving praise to God, but they were calling to each other, almost an antiphonal worship. And among other things, it reminded me that my worship is not only for my good, but when I'm worshiping, worshiping together with you, we can encourage each other in that. Years ago, I made a decision to be a little bit more vocal as people preached. I'm really kind of a quiet guy. But a little amen once in a while really helps a preacher. Yeah, I was hoping you'd take a cue. And I uh, never want to come and just stand. I want to participate. I want to sing. I want to pray. Uh, this inspires me to do that. They were calling to one another. And their worship shook the doorpost and thresholds. Their thunderous voices literally rocked the house. The temple was filled with smoke, the cloud of God's glory, the same glory that had fallen on the tabernacle. As the people of God moved from Egypt to the promised land, the same glory that had engulfed Mount Sinai when God met with Moses and gave his people his commands. And this was their song, their anthem, their hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. The threefold repetition emphasizing the 
infinite holiness of God. The scope of his holy glory is limitless. Land, sea, and sky are filled with it. There's not a continent or country, city or town, not a street corner or back alley, not a park or a playing field where God's glory is not present. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ear, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. Thought of Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. I am in the presence of a glorious, sovereign, exalted, holy God wherever I am, wherever I go. And I want eyes to see that more. Amen. The holiness of God always includes at least two facets. First, relative to all others, he is set apart from the rest of creation, distinct, holy other, W-H-O-L-L-Y. There is only one creator, only one God. From the Song of Moses, Exodus 15, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Isaiah 40, to whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Relative to others, God is holy. And secondly, he is holy in essential being. He is absolutely pure, good, righteous. God is light, John says. In him is no darkness at all. I thought this morning, he's like a Colorado sunshine. David expressed his desire to worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Beautiful, glorious. In his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozier, you're going to uh, catch on that I like Tozier. In his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he says, God's holiness is not simply the best we know, infinitely bettered. We know nothing like the divine holiness. It stands apart, unique, unapproachable, incomprehensible, and unattainable. Holy is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. He is absolutely holy with an infinite incomprehensible fullness of purity that is incapable of being other than it is. Because he is holy, his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. It's about this time in a sermon that you feel pretty inadequate. God's holiness, how can one adequately describe it? I suppose a message like this can only be an invitation to consider, to ask God for a glimpse of his 
holiness and his glory. I don't know about you, but my attention is too often given to others and to other things, to what I need to do or don't need to do or to myself or just looking for a little inspiration to get me through the day or some practical help and not nearly enough on God himself, just God and God alone. If we've sung this song since we've been here, my hope is in you, Lord, all the day long. You know that one? If I sang that song like I live sometime, it would sound more like my hope is in me, Lord, all the day long. I work hard. Use my head. Figure it out. But my hope isn't in me. Amen. Lord, save me from myself. Save me from all the distractions of life. I need to see you. Isaiah saw the Lord. Can we? We can. See him if we'll seek him. If we can only free up some time to be still, to open his word, to get outside and look up into a starlit night sky to linger in the presence of the Lord, Brother Larry, to turn our faces from our flat screen TVs or tablets or smartphones long enough to remember that there's a world out there that God created. Like the old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Dozier again, before the uncreated fire of God's holiness, angels veil their faces. Yea, the heavens are not clean, and the stars are not pure in his sight. Yet God invites us to come to him and has made a way to do that. I wish I could have found this story because it was described just perfectly. But I remember reading the account of a rock climber who got caught in a terrible storm in the mountains rain coming down in sheets and lightning and wind just uh, blowing 90 miles an hour and uh, he managed to get up into a, a cleft in the rock really fearful for his life thinking he'd be blown off the side of that mountain or struck by lightning and, and he got up into that safe place out of the rain and away from the wind and um, the fear was over because he was in a, a safe place but he sat there still in awe of the storm as it raged through those mountains and he drew a parallel to our relationship with God and our worship in a reconciled relationship with God we need not fear but there still ought to be some awe of who he is that's where worship and prayer and putting God's word into practice living out your faith we're doing that we'll see the Lord there are some things you just keep coming back to passage like this for me certain thoughts captured by certain Christian writers as well at least for me and A.W. Tozier is one of them and here's one of the thoughts that I keep coming back to in that same book knowledge of the holy what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God for this reason the gravest question before the church is always God himself and the most portentous fact that any man is not what he is at any given time may say or do what he at any given time may say or do but what he is in his deep heart conceives God to be like I believe that's true I ran across this story and picture from a man in Illinois years ago this is what he writes I'll never forget something I saw close to 20 years ago when I walked into the Smithsonian's National Museum of American Art in Washington DC just inside the door in an alcove was an arrangement called the throne of the third heaven of the nation's millennium general assembly there were 180 pieces in the arrangement from tables to chairs to small decorative items all pulled together by a guy named James Hampton a quiet virtually unknown janitor from the DC area Hampton simply wanted to depict God's throne room this extraordinary collection had been found in his garage after he died in 1964 no one knew he had been working on it for some 20 years. All these pieces were made from cast-off items, old furniture, gold and aluminum foil from store displays, bottles, cigarette boxes, wine bottles, rolls of kitchen foil, used light bulbs, cardboard, insulation board, construction paper, desk blotters, and sheets of transparent plastic, all precariously held together with glue, tape, tacks, and pins. On a bulletin board in the garage, he had copied this verse from Proverbs 29:18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. He believed people needed a vision of God's glory, so he set out single-handedly to give it to them. I think both Tozier and Hampton are right. We need to see God. We need to see Him for who He is. Why? Why is a right understanding of God so important? Why should we rightly recognize and understand the holiness of God? Why would I begin a holiness series with the holiness of God? I'll give you four or five reasons. One, because God is holy, we are called to be holy. Set apart pure and good and righteous and the only way to be holy is to be reconciled and walking with God back to Tozier one more time God is holy with an absolute holiness that knows no degrees and this he cannot impart to his creatures but there is a relative and contingent holiness which he shares with angels and seraphim in heaven and with redeemed people on earth as their preparation for heaven this holiness God can and does impart to his children he shares it with them by imputation and by impartation and because he has made it available to them through the blood of the lamb he requires it of all of them to Israel first and later to his church God spoke saying be ye holy for I am holy he did not say be ye as holy as I am holy for that would be to demand of us absolute 
holiness, something that belongs to God alone. I thought of Ephesians 5.1, the apostle Paul says, be imitators of God. Why do I begin with the holiness of God? Because we're called to holiness. Secondly, it's only when we see God for who he is that we see ourselves for who we are. Back to Isaiah chapter 6 at verse 5. Note again the response of Isaiah in the presence of a holy God. Woe to me, I am ruined. He recognized his own sin. He recognized the sinfulness of wayward Israel. He thought it was over in that moment. For Isaiah, it was a vision of a holy God. For us, perhaps it's coming into the presence of his son to recognize our need, to recognize that we've still got a way to go, to recognize our own sinfulness that's being redeemed. Kind of a funny illustration of that, but uh, back in the day I used to do some golfing. Once in a while I'd go out by myself and I'd be put with uh, three other guys in a foursome, or I'd go out with a friend and us two would be put with two other guys in a foursome. And You'd introduce yourself on the first hole and try to get past that first tee and not mess up too bad. And then about hole five or six, they'd begin to ask you what you did for a living. And I kind of hated to let the cat out of the bag. And I'd say, I'm the pastor of the Church of the Nazarene around the corner. It was amazing how the behavior changed. The language cleaned up, the cheating stopped. They didn't kick their ball out into the fairway. Oh, sorry about my French, Rev. Yeah, yeah, that. Something about being in the presence of uh, even someone that somehow represents God that helps you recognize your need, you know. Why uh, recognize the holiness of God? Third answer, it's only when we see ourselves for who we are and come to God in repentance, repentance and confession that God can make us holy, that he can sanctify us, that he can make that change. Verse 6, in response to Isaiah's need, uh, a seraph came and cleaned Isaiah up, forgave him of his sins, removed the guilt. That's awesome. But in order to receive that forgiveness, in order to be changed, in order to, to get on that path of just growing more and more in the likeness of God's Son, We've got to turn from sin and turn to Him. We've got to, to make ourselves available. We've got to open our hearts to Him. Finally, it's only when God makes us holy that we can be available and ready when His call to go comes, and it will come. That eighth verse is powerful. Then I heard the voice of the Lord, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And that newly redeemed, cleansed prophet Isaiah said, you're mine. Send me. I'll go. Not every one of you will be called to a prophetic ministry like Isaiah's, but every one of you is called. Every one of you. You should be going. You should be serving. You should be loving each other and neighbor. God has something for all of us to do, and it may not be easy. It wasn't for Isaiah. But we're all called. Are you saying yes to God's call? 
Are you recognizing your need in the presence of a holy God and are you continually coming to Him in humble confession, walking in step with the Spirit to see God, to recognize His holiness is a beautiful, exhilarating, terrifying thing except for the love of God. I'm grateful for God's love. A love that compels an exalted, glorious, holy God to come down to us, to become one of us, to make himself nothing. Love makes a holy God approachable, his throne a throne of grace. And I don't know about you, but I need that. Right here is where I want to introduce something that will play out in all the other holiness messages that I might have the opportunity to preach. If you were to press me to describe God in one word, I would tell you I couldn't do it. After a message like this, you would think the obvious answer would be to describe God as holy. I need at least two. You could argue with me about this. If you want to, it'll cost you lunch or a cup of coffee. I need two. If I were to describe God in two words, it would be holy love. Holy love. In his first letter in the New Testament, the Apostle John says that God is love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Let me jump to an application, and then I'll wind this message down. An application from God's holiness to the holy people we are called to be and the love we are called to have. There is a love that isn't holy, that accepts anything and everything, that disregards the truth that God has made known that disregards the commands that God has given us, that disregards a God that has leaned down into our world and said, here's how it works. Do this. Don't do that. There is a love that isn't holy. There is a holiness that isn't loving. And of the two in the Gospels, it's the latter of those that seem to anger Jesus the most. I'm thinking of those Pharisees and teachers of the law that kept the rules and made sure everybody else did too, but had no love for people, no mercy, no compassion. At Ephesians 5 passage where Paul says, be imitators of God, he goes on to say, in the same sentence, and live a life of love. We need a holy love. Our God is holy love. That'll play out in the messages to come. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. We have a beautiful hymn of praise to sing before we leave. Every one of these messages will end with an invitation. Today, the invitation is to seek God. 
may be in our lives and boy it's easy to get so busy to get so distracted to get so caught up in all that we have to do and the places we have to go and the people we have to see that we're not lingering in his presence that we're not coming away and just uh, seeking him the invitation today is to seek God to see God to make worship and prayer a priority in your daily life I believe that's the living center of who we are as followers of Jesus and that's where holiness begins in that reconciled relationship with a holy God who loves us let's stand together as we sing and worship the Lord
powerful message this morning. We are here in the presence of the Lord. And as we stand in his presence, observe his holiness, we can truly see ourselves. These altars are open. If there's anything that you want to come and offer up to the Lord, just worship him in his holiness. Allow him to work in you. Here I am, Lord, search me. If there's anything that you're not pleased with that's within me, show it to me that I might turn away from that sin, confess that sin to you, and turn toward you. God is calling us today. He's calling us to himself, a holy God. God's glory is everywhere. God's glory is here this morning. God's glory will be in our homes this afternoon. God's glory will be in our workplace tomorrow morning. We are called to reflect the glory of God and to live that out. His glory, his love for the people that we interact with this week. And you know what? I can't do that on my own strength and neither can you. We're completely dependent on God to enable us to do that. And I want to send you out with 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. It says, Now may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless at our Lord Jesus Christ's coming. The one who is calling you, the one who is calling you, he is faithful and he will do it. Thanks be to God. It's not on our own strength, but as we allow him to work through us, that we can be that holy love to those that we interact this week. Go and seek him and be in his glory this week. God bless you.
Just to know, thus saith the 